This is Isaac Morehouse. Welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. Welcome to a special episode. Uh, This is like a bonus episode of the podcast. And the reason I'm wedging this bonus episode in here is because there's an event coming up called Voice and Exit. And it's a very, very cool event. Um, And I wanted to talk about it on air and hear a little bit more about uh, what it's all about in time for the event this year, which is coming up June, um, I believe it's June 20th and 21st. So I have with me Max Borders, who is the founder or co-founder of the event Voice and Exit. He's also the managing editor of the Freeman Magazine, which is an excellent uh, publication. So Max, give us first just the elevator pitch. What is Voice and Exit? <laughs> the elevator pitch for Voice and Exit. Man, if you could... If you only knew how many times I've wrestled with that question in my mind. <laughs> that, that's the hardest question. Any, uh, you know, business, any startup, any anything you create that's new to summarize it in a sentence is probably the hardest thing. I would say today, probably not tomorrow, Voice and Exit is an event devoted to dreamers and doers who are ready to innovate towards a condition of human flourishing. And I know um, you have a couple pretty cool uh, sort of taglines that you use. One is maximize human flourishing, mm-hmm. um, which I really like. It's 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 general enough, but it cap- it sort of captures the imagination a lot. And then the other one is that I've just noticed. Um, I was just on your website today. You're calling it um, a festival of the future. And That's right. in the about section, there, there's this this part that really sort of gets me excited where it talks about the old expo or the world's fair, you know, where Tesla would show off his stuff. And, and I am so, I have this romantic notion of kind of that time period of this, this boundless optimism about technological and human progress before, you know, the great world wars that, that sort of turned everyone into, into, you know, cynics, rightly so. Um, but I think that's really cool to say, Hey, we're, we're sort of reviving that this is about the future. So, Tell me a little bit more about that kind of, you know, the theme and what are you hoping to accomplish with the event? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think I think the reason that I like the evocation of of the World's Fair is, I mean, of course, back then it was a sort of like come in and see the latest thing. This we call it the telegraph machine, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it and I mean, these damn things took over whole cities. We 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 couldn't possibly do it to that scale. But the scale of our ideas is probably uh, as bigger, bigger than any World's Fair. The kind of ideas we're showcasing have that sort of uh, potential magnitude of, of global change. Um, and, and really, you know, the, this, the, the innovators have always been and always will be on the fringes. You're not going to find the next thing in the mainstream. So in many ways, this is a gathering of, of people who are comfortable at the fringe. And I don't mean fringe in the sense of like, oh, it's a bunch of radicals, you know, and they're, they're, they're crazy. Uh, I so, mean, so you don't mean it's a really socially awkward group of people? <laughs> no, not at all. No. Um, you know, there's a sprinkle of Burning Man, a sprinkle of Ted, um, a lot of smart people, innovators, entrepreneurs. It's, it's a really a ragtag group of people who, who are not afraid to stare into 
uh, into the future, really. And 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 as Stephen Kotler puts it, they are unwilling to die curious, huh. constantly chasing something new and interesting that makes uh, to, to to sound like a cliche from the show Silicon Valley makes the world a better place. But really, <laughs> that is that is what it's people who are un- unafraid to to ask those questions about the status quo if there's a better world waiting on the other side. Yeah, there's something really cool about, um, you know, you mentioned the show Silicon Valley, which is hilarious. But, you know, if you if you go out to San Francisco or the, the Bay Area for uh, any events or interact with people who are kind of in and around the, the startup scene, um, to a lesser extent, but still very, very palpable in the culture in Austin, where you are, there is this... And when I say to a lesser extent, I don't mean like it's inferior. Uh, it's just a different different collective. There's a little more artsy stuff going on in Austin. Um, but, you know, you hang around some like tech startup people or whatever, and you'll hear things that in, let's say, Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I'm from, would just be seen as like absurd. Nobody would talk about it. No one would even think to talk about it. You'll meet someone and they'll say, you'll say, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on a cure for aging. And, you know, <laughs> you're like, well, I didn't even know aging was a disease. I thought it was just natural. No, you see nothing. Nothing is permanent. We can we can change things. We can change the world. We can change the future. Like I'm working on Mars colonization. I'm working on artificial intelligence that can perform surgery better than humans, whatever it might be. That kind of boundless like, hey, we're just scratching the surface of what humans can do, can accomplish, can be. There's something so exciting about that. And and I think most of us feel like in our daily lives, we don't really have permission to have such crazy thoughts and think about such crazy things. Um, So there's something exciting about, hey, come to this conference where for a couple days you have permission, like nothing is too wild, nothing's too crazy, no, no, you know vision of the future you can imagine, you know, your, your jet pack or whatever it is you, you might want. Um, you know, the little, what was the little ovens from like back to the future where you put in the tiny food and it makes it big, <laughs> all this crazy <laughs> stuff. There's probably someone there who's legitimately thinking about it, working on it, uh, researching it. And, and there's something about that that's really cool. And I think really rare in the world today, it's easy to just feel like we have to kind of hunker down and protect ourselves from, uh, the scariness around us, but but I love that that optimism that you guys have. I I really appreciate that, and I and I love this idea that you've tapped into that this is a place where you have permission to think those thoughts, because it's only in a condition where you are not going to be. And I, I hate I hate to sound like, oh, it's a safe space. You know, it's <laughs> it's not it's not like that. It's, it's not like we're all going to just dangerous. It's not like we're all going to bare our souls and talk about, you know, our feelings. It's really, um, I mean, there, I'm sure there's some of that. People talk about a lot of things at these kind of events. I would but, almost um, say it's like a place where you're safe to talk about dangerous things in a way, right? Like yeah. things that, you know, in your daily practical concerns would say, push that aside. Well, let, let me give you an example. Uh, last year we had um, a one of our talks as well as one of our breakout uh, workshops on um, on the subject of psychedelic medicine. The idea that there is therapeutic application to a substance like psilocybin or ayahuasca tea. You know, these are, these are controlled substances in the United States. They'll throw you under the jail if you're found with them. And yet, these are folks who are asking the question, whether they've not been stigmatized and whether there might be applications to these substances that are beneficial to humanity. And, and it turns out through uh, rigorous scientific studies that there are such applications. 
Uh, they're not just for, you know, religious ceremonies or psychonauts journey or whatever, but they're actual therapeutic mm. applications that are being discovered. And, and we're sort of revisiting these ideas and old stigmas that have been with us for a long time. Voice and exit is not not like woo woo party party drugs drugs nothing like that. It's not like a you know it's not like a, a festival where you know everybody's just out to 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 be hedonists. It rather I mean the, but there is a fantastic party at Voice and Exit at the end and, and there's going to be a lot of a lot of fun. <laughs> you don't want to scare away the people who want to have fun. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But earlier in the day, we're asking the questions like that. We're asking the questions. Like whether or not um, whether or not it's it's we should be experiment, experimenting with new governance structures, whether in the developing world or at sea through seasteading. We're asking questions like, um, you know, we, we had a woman last year talk about 3D bioprinting, you know, actually printing tissue, human tissue from certain kinds of specs so that, for example, women who've had breast cancer surgery can recover fully and be whole, feel like they're whole again. I mean, this is out there stuff. 3D printing tissue, mm. human tissue, it's, it's wild stuff. But this is the place where you talk about it. And this is where the kind of human improvements of the future are going to come from. We want to, as you say, give people permission to think along those lines, no judgment, and, and really explore them. Because from that, uh, as Matt Ridley says, ideas have sex. So you might have two interesting ideas take away from the event and go off and come up with the next big fantastic venture that merges those two fantastic ideas together. And you mm -hmm. can't be afraid to do that through stigma or, or whatever. That, that idea, um, that Ridley phrase is kind of a, an, an updated, more punchy version of a concept that, that I, um, found really, really powerful in one of my favorite books called the act of creation by Arthur Kessler. And, and he talks about, different matrices of thought. And when they intersect two completely unrelated fields, that's where you get the eureka moment, or he even breaks it down in the, in the realm of humor. That's what the punchline of a joke is, is, is an unexpected. It's like two different trains of thought that collide in an unexpected way. Um, and I think that's really cool to have an area where you can sort of explore big, wild things in a variety. Cause you guys have a really diverse set of, you have everything from sort of artistic, um, presentations or even performances to things about kind of self-improvement and psychology to, you know, biohacking to, uh, governance structures and economics and, and kind of a wide range of things where you have a lot of opportunity for these ideas to, to collide, to crash into each other. Um, yeah, it's not, and, and, and so, you know, people like Ted talks. And so part of it is we're giving them the Ted talk experience but it's we're not slinging tapioca pudding at them. We're not we're not we're not giving them pablum. So often with TED talks you get pablum. You know it's it's it, there, there's a, a risk aversion that comes with TED talks because they're mass market and that's cool. Yeah. Um. But we're not. We're 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 ready to ask profound questions and see where the answers take us. And so that's a rare group of people who want to do that. And th those people who come out uh, self-select for that reason and that makes the most interesting crowd of people you'll ever see outside uh, maybe, you know, the kind of people who show up at Burning Man, maybe. So what would you say to the objection or concern if someone said, look, this is either just frivolous uh, or escapism or even worse, 
this is downright irresponsible. Here mm -hmm. you are putting all this energy and effort and getting people all hyped up about, you know, floating cities which don't exist or, you know, future technologies that we don't have yet and diverting attention and resources and time from, from intelligent, able people who could be focusing on things that are truly like problems of today that are facing us. You know, my local school district is terrible. And why don't you put all your effort into running for school board and trying to change that instead of dreaming about, you know, living on the moon or something? I mean, just that kind of objection in general. What, how, how do you respond to that? Well, I, I, well, first of all, I would say someone who has that kind of visceral response to, uh, to the kind of the content of the event and the, the whole thing, it's probably not for them. You know, it's just like hamburgers and French fries are not for some people. Uh, it's for most people, but for a vegetarian, it's not for you. A hamburger is not for you. And I would say, first of all, that's okay. You know, some things, some things you're going to choose not to do, but I would push back on the notion that this is not about today's problems. Um, you know, the one of the, in the first year uh, when we had our prototype event in 2013, there was a guy named Max Marty who was a who was the CEO at the time of an outfit called Blue Seed, which was to be the first uh, seasteading uh, business incubator. They were gonna have. They were the reason they exist was not because they wanted to build cities on the sea like some utopian ideal. In fact, his message was, we're doing seasteading to solve a problem, and that problem is this. We have 160 countries, and I think they had 160 signatories, of people from different countries who, who wanted to start a, a, a startup business and could not get H-1B visas in the United States. Mm -hmm. So we're willing to park 12 miles off Half Moon Bay in California so they had access to Silicon Valley. Hmm. That is that is a that is a practical solution that has an element of radicalism to it because an incubator at sea. I mean, what the heck is that, right? I mean, it sounds radical, but these are all really about applications. To take another example, cryptocurrency. Just a couple of years ago, Bitcoin seemed like some kind of crazy utopian coders idea. And now it's being used in the, in the poorest countries of the world because they're living in conditions of hyperinflation. This is not some radical out there thing that we're getting rid of state fiat currencies. These people are using this stuff because they need to to survive and to make a better lives, a life for themselves. Mm. All of the kinds of solutions that we're talking about are not only voluntary. They, they don't require a bunch of largesse from the government or people to do things they don't want to do. It's also that these ideas are real solutions to real problems that make people's lives better. We care very, uh, we start from a place of caring about our fellow man, and there's a sense of urgency behind that. If that comes with a dose of, of apparent, you know, fringiness, then we're okay with that. But it's not that we're just thinking about, uh, you know, colonizing Mars for the sake of thinking about colonizing Mars. You know, um, your, your name, Voice and Exit, kind of, speaks to this and I think conveys sort of the, the core ideas behind it very well that you can, you can voice, right? You can voice your critique or criticisms or, or express problems you have, or even ideas for ways things could be better. And exit is that action. It's let's leave the bad situation. Let's exit into something better and work around it. And I think 
I think sometimes even the, even the example that I spewed out, you know, why don't you work on your local school district or something? Mm. I think sometimes we get trapped in this paradigm of only playing the games that already exist, the sort of known games. Well, your school district isn't very good. Um, so you run for school board, but that's all predefined for you. Like, why does the school district exist in the first place? Well, it's this idea that children should be educated. Well, what does education mean? Well, it means learning things that are valuable and helpful. Well, you start zooming out and you kind of, you know, to, to sort of, uh, dice up a, a, a phrase instead of hacking at the branches, you try to strike at the root, right? Like what's actually going on here. And maybe the most practical thing you can do is the most radical thing you can do. We, we talk about this at Praxis a lot. We call it radically practical. Like, there, you know, the, the things that are normal sort of status quo choices presented to us sometimes don't make any sense at all when you stop and think about it. And we're doing them only out of habit, not because they're the most practical things. And, and by practical, I mean the easiest way to get what you want out of life. Sometimes the radical out-of-the-box things, you know, colonizing Mars, however radical it might be, Sometimes those are also the most practical solutions to the problems we have. So I think there's something powerful about going outside of the the sort of standard set um, of solutions. Now, speaking of the name, I wanted to ask you where it came from. I know there's a, a somewhat well-known book, uh, Exit Voice and Loyalty by Albert Hirschman. Is that kind of the, where the name came from or where, where did you get it? That's right. You got it. Um, I, I've never read the book myself. I actually don't know much about it. I've just heard of it. So give me a, give me the lowdown of what inspired it. So I got to give credit to really to two people. Um, first of all, uh, two, uh, you should you guys should watch the talk on the watch page of voiceandexit.com called Practical Rad- Practical Radicalism, which is very similar to oh, what you're. I've never even about. watched it. Good, good. So yeah, and that's Max Marty's talk. You'll, you guys will love that. That's it. Should be viewing for all your uh, Praxis participants. Um, but there's also um, a talk by a fellow named Michael Gibson, who is leads us this uh, this group called Twenty Under Twenty from the Founders Fund, and the, the idea is is similar in spirit to Praxis. And that is, um, these are people who are sort of flipping the script and changing the frame of the game, as you as you were talking about with respect to the status quo, which is, I have to go to college in order to be able to do this, and I have to save up X amount of money in order to be able to signal that I'm that I'm a talented person and, and capable, so that I can be hired by somebody else someday. I mean, you know, just really, Michael Gibson, the twenty under twenty program, Praxis. These are all ways of saying no, let's strike the root, let's step back and look at what's going on and, and really, really change the frame uh, in, in, in a way. So these are all exemplars of this idea of exit, which is you start, you just completely opt out of the system and start something in parallel and see if other people find value in it. That is an iterative process. You're bound to fail. But Michael Gibson is um, I think I can credit Michael Gibson actually for this because he had he'd run a blog for a while still does I think called uh, Let a Thousand Nations Bloom, and the idea behind this and one of the uh, this is is the idea of competitive governance that if you come up with different rule sets and you create a conditions in which they compete people will gravitate to the best rules and gravitate to the best societies. Sort of like uh, if we could do that in this world, you know, people would migrate to the countries of the West because they have good institutions and it's easier to make your way in life. And they would probably leave places like North Korea. So if you create the conditions for exit, but, the, but this, this, this human algorithm, I guess you could call it, is applicable not just to, you know, in, institutions of nations. It's 
everywhere. We see it in open source systems, open source uh, code online. If you don't like this open source code, you can take a fork and try it here, and then suddenly there's competition between the codes. This idea of offering different choices and offering different paths and determining in some evolutionary way which ones are the best and which ones are the worst through people's mig migratory cho choices, it lies at the foundation of our ethos at Voice and Exit. And yes, it does come from Albert Hirschman's essay. Um, uh, that, that name does. And I got that. I learned, first learned about that from Michael Gibson on that blog, I'm pretty sure, and, and maybe also Arnold Kling, who is an economist who writes some very interesting things. Those two, I think, first introduced me to that, and I sort of got the, the idea, I don't mean to get too wonky for your audience, but the idea of, of instead of sort of uh, trying, to, um, trying to change things too much from within or making marginal changes, of just stepping out and creating some criticized by creating yeah. yeah is the is the the mantra there is such was such an, a profound thing for me and it was it was non-ideological yeah it, which is i liked that it's like it's really hard to argue with the idea of creating something better and inviting people to participate yes and that's that's the essence of of our event it it, tra it transcends the debates that people have a lot of emotion and bias and sort of prejudice in because they're worried about where it may lead. They're worried about whose team will win. There's all this kind of political in the broader sense of the word stuff. Um, I mean, that was really the coming to that same sort of realization that I don't want to just argue. I want to criticized by creating, you know, that, that was really, uh, sort of fundamental in the, in the creation of praxis as well. Just, just seeing that look for everybody who's pointing out flaws in this case, in the higher ed system, um, who's really creating alternatives and offering, Hey, if I can point out all these flaws, can I, can I provide something better? And the minute you have that realization, it's exciting, but it's also scary because it's really easy to be a critic. It's kind of fun. You can get your little band of critics around you and you can just kind of point and laugh and be too cool for everything. Um, but once you realize like, I don't have to just criticize it. I can exit. I can quit. I can, tr I can build something new. That's powerful, but it's scary because now you're entering into the unknown. That's exactly right. I mean, that's why everybody's a critic. The costs are so high, relatively speaking, for the for failure. You know, um, if I if I'm going to uh, if I'm going to criticize someone, the costs of failure for being wrong in my criticism is me going, well, I don't agree with you. Let's agree to disagree. You know, or yeah. or it's getting trolls on your blog. But the if you set off on something and you require capital and you require time, failure is extremely costly, not only to you but your investors. You are really putting your money where your mouth is when you criticize by creating, but that's the only way the world changes for the better. Yeah, and I, and I would say even more than, I mean, because in America today, like the bottom is honestly not that far. If you start a business and fail, like you can, even if you declare bankruptcy, whatever else, it's not even so much the material risk involved or cost. I think it's mostly the psychological cost. You oh, know, yeah. I've I've talked about this with with kids who are interested in trying something other than college. It's like if you don't go to college and you have a hard time, bad week, bad month, whatever. Everyone's like, "See, 
I told you, it's your own fault. You should have gone to college. If you go to college and have a hard time, nobody says, see, it's your fault. You did the status quo thing, right? Then nobody blames that. And so there's this huge additional burden, this huge cost to being a defector. Um, and that's what I love about your your conference is really to thinking as sort of an economist, you're lowering the cost to people of yeah. entertaining the possibility of exit. You're saying, hey, you're not alone. Hey, this, you know, you're not the only one. Take some risks. Look, these people are. We can sort of show you, get more comfortable with it. And you're kind of lowering, lowering that psychological barrier. Like, you know, go ahead, venture out, step a little further. You don't have to stay put. Um, really, really exciting stuff. Okay, so tell me, this is the third year. This is this will be the third event that you've done. Tell me about what prompted you to launch it, um, what your angle was, and sort of everything that's happened from here to there. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of questions. Let me see if I can put that succinctly. I mean, really, there's a there's a meta, a meta narrative going on here, and that is that I was dissatisfied. And so my partner, Seth, uh, we were talking about the general dissatisfaction with the way things are framed, the way messages are framed. We liked TED Talks, you know, uh, as far as they go. And, and we like partying and we like Austin. And we like the vibe Austin brings. Seth's a filmmaker. He's very good. Uh, I'm, you know, kind of like a, a sort of a public intellectual and an editor. And, and I kind of just, you know, I, I, my background is in philosophy, which tends to be sort of in the clouds in the ivory tower. And I worked for a while in policy st circles for, for a while and in think tanks and stuff like that. And I really became, you know, disaffected with all the jaw jaw, <laughs> you know, and I really wanted and I, and I became infatuated with people who are the dreamers and the doers. You know, I, I've told you in this that there's this, this essence of that we're, we're trying to create a, a safe space for contrarians. Yeah. If you're a contrarian, you're welcome here. Now, that's a hell of a thing to try to market. Um, that's another podcast right there. <laughs> trying to market to contrarians. Hey, this is your tribe. For everybody else, don't worry about it. But if you're a contrarian, come on to our event. <laughs> so hard. The, the very type of people who don't like to join groups very often, right? <laughs> that's the, isn't that the truth? Yeah, but but um, but yeah, giving people permission. We we really wanted to criticize by creating. So it not only became our ethos. We wanted to create this place, this event, this platform. This um, in the future, we want to create a media juggernaut for people who are not afraid to entertain dangerous ideas. Hmm. Uh, just as you said, not not for the sake of their being dangerous, but as as we are committed to in our mission statement, human flourishing, you know, self community and world hmm. flourishing in the sense of being living a happier life, longer life if you want, you know, well being, uh, having a great work life, being productive but also being happy to get out of bed and do what you do. Uh, it could be in your community. There, you know changes that you can make to make your community stronger and people talk to each other and actually do stuff together rather than just, you know, outsourcing that to uh, the local municipality or whatever, but also the world changing stuff, the things that, the things that are going to make it so that, um, you know, the poorest people in the world can create, can escape the conditions they're in and be creative and think about startups and do things like we're doing here uh, in a conditions of relative abundance. These are all, things that we care about. And it's like this, one of the dumbest things you could probably do is try to start a business based on something you care about. 
<laughs> and here you and I are doing it. But it's, I tell you what, it's worth, if it's successful, and even if it's not, it's been worth it because it has, it has been a process of annealment for me. It has been a, pro, a tr process of transformation uh, for, for me to become, to pass from being a maven to being an entrepreneur because it's really about, it tests your metal, it makes you self-reflect, it, it requires that you understand where other people are and how to connect with them in ways like you never have before. Hmm. It's different from jaw jaw. And that's really, uh, that's really what, what, what our entire ethos all, is all about. And that presents challenges, I have to say, because it's just so damn meta. <laughs> um, do, have you felt like your, your first two events, um, did you feel like they were what you wanted them to be? And are, are you guys headed in the direction you want to go? Oh, yeah. I mean, there you, you, you always beat yourself up. It's always Kaizen, you know, continuous improvement. You're, you're constantly finding ways to, um, to do it better, to do it more cheaply, to do it in a way that's more exciting and uh, fix the mistakes you make and not, and not fix the things that you did right. Because sometimes you're kind of flailing about in the dark and say, well, did that work or did that not work? Uh, but your hindsight's always 2020. You can look back and find a thousand things that you could have done wrong, but I, it, it's, it's really about learning, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but failing forward, learning from your mistakes, um, and constantly shoring up. It's sort of like your, your, um, there's this old metaphor from philosophy from, uh, Otto von Neurath is his name. And Neurath had a boat, this fictional boat that came from Greek, the Greeks. And the idea of this boat is that it's a ship at sea that you're, that you're constantly putting together and repairing. Mm. You never, you never, um, that, that is constantly in the process of being changed and repaired, but while you're at sea. And I think that's really what this has been. This journey has been in, in voice and exit is is really it's adjustment on the fly. You know, you because it's an annual event, you do have some you know some areas of time to reflect and to plan and, and to do that sort of thing. But um, but ultimately, running a business is really about iterating and learning from your mistakes. And those who can't do that will fail. So you've got uh, your event coming up June 20th to 21st. Um, give us a little teaser about this year's event. What are what are a couple of the uh, speakers or topics that are the most exciting to you? Oh, gosh, I have so many. I'm excited about all of them. One of the most recent uh, speakers we have is Ryan Holiday, who's, co who's coming to speak. Ryan Holiday is famous for a lot of his books, the most recent of which is sort of a recasting of, of – ancient Greek stoicism called the obstacle is the way. And, and he, people his, have learned what, a lot from uh, Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way, in, in learning how to take a measured approach to the obstacles that come and learning how to really turn those to your advantage rather than, than allowing them to trip you up. Ryan, I mean, he's got an amazing, um, yeah, amazing sort of story. I know his, I don't know if his first book, but he wrote, uh, trust me, I'm lying. And that was a, a huge mm -hmm. bestseller, but his, he dropped out of college. I uh, was like a couple years in to go intern with Robert Greene, um, author of the laws of power. And then 
ended up never going back to college, was like the marketing director for American Apparel, I believe, at, at like age 22 or 20, you know, some really, really young, and then published his first book, which was huge. And he's um really interesting, really interesting guy um, from from what what I know about him. So I was I was really excited to see him on the list. I think he does. He does great work. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lesser known guy coming too, um, who is probably more famous in Britain named Dylan Evans. And D- Dylan is going to be talking about, uh, interestingly, a failed experiment in exit, where he tried to start a, a sort of like a, an off-the-grid um, intentional community in the highlands of Scotland. And it failed. And he, he I won't tell you the whole story because <laughs> I don't want him to, but, uh, you know, this is, this is a part of this, this human enterprise of, of voice and exit, this, this human algorithm is that sometimes we're going to fail in our endeavors, hmm. but the ones that are not afraid of failure are the only ones that are going to make it happen. And he is an example of someone who tried and learned lessons about life that are also valuable from having failed. Hmm. Uh, my guest on this bonus episode has been Max Borders. Well, such a cool name, by the way, Max Borders. Um, you can check out uh, this event at voiceandexit.com. Again, it's June 20th through 21st in Austin, Texas. Go to voiceandexit.com to check it out. Max, thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Isaac. You bet. You bet. 